what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. With me is my brother in tech, Brian Jackson. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, Alan. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Doing no. really, really well. So, yeah. Other than it's hot, uh, but, you know, yeah. other than it being really warm and muggy outside, I don't know how it is on the other side of the country where you are. But... It is. It is hot. We do not have the muggy, but it is it is hot. Yeah. I think it's it's hot a lot of places right now. And uh, absolutely, you know, it's uh, I guess uh, to me, I just want to get outside. Right. <laughs> I just want to get out and get out of the house a little bit more. So uh, uh, having a having a lot of heat is not necessarily the uh, the work. thing that I'm looking for. But that's OK. That's all right. We're yeah. here. We're talking tech. So I'm happy. Um, we're inside the AC's working in, in both places. So we're good to roll with this. Good stuff. So let's go ahead. Let's talk some technology. This is brothers in tech, our uh, ongoing technology discussion show here on the mesh podcast network where Brian and I get together and talk technology, especially technology as it relates to more home family use. Uh, we kind of like to position this as the idea of if you are that default go-to it person in your family, the one that gets the phone calls when something's not working or people want to figure out what type of uh, technology they should be buying for themselves. And you're the one getting the call. We want to be here as a resource for you, or perhaps you are the person I just described that is actually calling someone else to get advice. And maybe we can help you become a little more self-sufficient in the, your technology knowledge. Uh, either way, Brian and I really just love talking technology. It's really what it is. We just get together and talk tech for, uh, you know, about an hour every week. We, we do this. So yeah. Um, now, Brian, we talked at the last episode, we kind of, we did our main episode for the month, which was talking all about photography, digital photography. And we kind of set up some different examples of, hey, here's some different types of photography. You've got your mobile phone photography and you've got your DSLR, which is kind of becoming more of the traditional digital photography. We talked the pros and cons of all of those and what kind of uh, types of photography might match for different types of audiences and people. So this is our first deep dive episode. And what we're going to do today is talk specifically about shooting photos or, or digital photography with your mobile phone device. Right, right. Because, you know, Brian, we, as I described in, in the last episode myself, that's kind of where I am now. I, I do, I no longer own a DSLR for my own personal photos. I just use my iPhone. And there are some, some caveats with that, some things we're going to talk about, some pros and cons with that. But if, uh, if somebody is out there and really kind of sees himself in that same spot where, you know what, I'm happy with my phone or I want to just use a phone as my camera, I only want to carry one thing with me when I go places and that's all I want to have. Then that's what this episode's all about. It's talking about how to make the best use of that and understanding mobile photography on your, on your phone or device. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, this is a, a type of photography that, you know, many years ago would have been uh, looked down upon by the photography world. And, uh, but now I think that uh, it's, 
the, the, the cameras on your phone are, are so incredibly good and have mm-hmm. progressed so much that uh, this is absolutely a worthy, uh, a worthy approach to photography. So, uh, um, you know, it's not something that, uh, well, it is something that I do. I take a lot of pictures with my, my phone, but I don't, I don't pretend to do photography with my phone. And uh, okay. so this was actually helpful for me to, to look into ways that, you know, that I can improve that if I decided to go that route. Um, because certainly there's really nothing more efficient than having your phone on you already and being able to take pictures whenever, however, and uh, not be limited by, uh, by equipment. So, yeah. So I think this is a good well, thing Brian, to chat about. You kind of mentioned how the, photography world views shooting photographs with a mobile device. You are a lot more in that community than I am. You, you are a photographer. You take wonderful photos. And I know you kind of talk or have some connections with other uh, higher level photographers as well. Do you, is that true that you really feel like that the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they still see mobile photography as not as uh not as high end as what the type right. of work they're doing. But I mean, do you really feel like the trend is where people are starting to recognize mobile photography as having a little better specs, a little better hardware behind it to make some, some decent images? Or yeah, is that really I, I do. More I marketing think, talk now for these. Um, no, I think, I think it's, well, two things. One, I think that the, the traditional photographers do absolutely recognize the power and quality that can come from a, a mobile phone. I think a lot of them, you'll hear a comment just if you were to talk with them about, you know, mobile photography, I think one of the first things they would say would, my gosh, the cameras can do so much, right? They are, they're incredibly good for how small of a device it is. I do think that there's still a very, uh, more of a frustration. I think this, you know, it's the same frustration that probably happened. and And I say probably because I wasn't really into photography when this process happened of going from film to digital Right, but that same kind of approach was occurring, where people are saying they're almost frustrated, saying you can do it so easily now, and I've worked at it. Right, I've had to think through it, and when I take a picture, I have to to think about all these different settings that the the ideal connection of those things is going to give me what I want. And someone else runs up and kind of pulls up their can, you know, their phone snaps and goes away. <laughs> you know that they had a really good picture. Um, yeah. My wife, you know, Alan, you know that uh, that Laura and I travel a lot, and uh, yeah. it, there's probably nothing more frustrating than that moment where you get to a great view. Maybe you've at the end of a hike, and you know I'm setting up, and I get my tripod out, and I've got this, you know, uh, I've got my camera ready to go, and I'm and I'm trying to get the right angle, and I probably spend a few minutes and get ready for that one picture. And then there's that kid that's on the same, you know, the same uh, hiking trail, runs up there, two seconds, snip, you know, and goes away. And I guarantee they've got a really good picture. <laughs> it is really mm-hmm. annoying. Um, but it's also exciting, too, right? I mean, you don't like, you don't necessarily like to see people stuck behind their their phones and, you know, using that as a way of recording everything that they're doing. Um, but the quality that can come from your uh your phone these days uh, is just, I think it's incredibly impressive. Uh, luckily, I yeah. will say from someone who has spent a lot of money on camera equipment, luckily um, there are still some things that are good about uh, DSLR yeah. photography. So I don't feel too bad about that. Um, but it's, uh, boy, it's getting, it's getting tough. It's getting tough uh, to, to justify it. But 
Um, well, I, uh, I think what we're, what we're really kind of gearing to our discussion right now is let's say you are someone that, uh, you, you enjoy photography. You really want to be a better photographer or you want to make use of photography tools more, but you just find yourself saying, look, I, I'm kind of weighing the pros and cons and I, I'm always going to have a phone with me. That is a device I'm going to have. I only want to keep up with one device. I don't want to have to invest a lot of money into extra equipment to do yeah. more, uh, more, uh, DSLR traditional photography. Uh, and that's honestly, yeah, you're, you're speaking to me. That's, that's me. That's my case study right now. I love photography. I, I had a, a lot of cameras growing up. I had a lot of film cameras. I had DSLR cameras for a while. It just got to the point where I just want to minimize the gear and the things that I have around me. I was not as passionate about it and as good at it as you are to want to also invest in the cameras and the accessories to go with it. So I'm comfortable using my phone, although I will find myself sometimes frustrated. I don't have the level of control right. over my right. phone camera that I know you do over your equipment. So that, knowing that, and I think if somebody's listening to this and says, yeah, this, what Alan's describing is kind of fits me. Yep. And that's this deep dive is a good episode for you. Cause we're going to talk more about that. We will have a deep dive next week coming out where we're going to talk about the other side of the coin. We're going to go into more detail about the DSLR more dedicated camera equipment that we've talked about and some things to know about that. So yeah. let's, uh, let's focus on uh, what are some things people need to understand and know about the idea of using their phone as their primary camera for digital photography. Let's talk about some terms, Brian, just some things yeah. to kind of go and get on the plate because we're going to mention these terms a lot. And I think it's important for people to know what they need and how we use them to make some decisions about what direction to go with the phones or equipment we're going to use. Um, Probably the one I'm just going to throw out first, Brian, for us to talk about that you hear so much, probably a lot more in the marketing of how these camera phones are being sold now. It's this idea of megapixels. Okay. Brian, can you explain to me exactly what a megapixel <laughs> is or do I need to Google search that myself? Yeah. So. Um, if I talk very slowly, will you have time to, to search it uh, while I'm doing that? <laughs> I can. No, um, no I, mean, I think but, I, but, but I'm I not going to go into point. It's yeah. an interesting point in that the megapixel has kind of become more of a marketing buzzworthy term right. on how you right. gauge how good a camera is supposed to be as the number of megapixels. I'll be the first to say, I don't think that's the best indicator. No. Just like I don't think I don't with either. computers, I don't think you can say processor speed is always the best right. indicator of how well that computer is going to run. Um, well, I think, so, yeah. I, I think in, in, in a, a kind of a simplistic way of looking at it, it's exactly what happens with uh, televisions now. When you're buying televisions, you're looking at how many pixels on the screen, right? How many pixels were per square inch, that sort of thing. And I believe, you know, megapixels are simply going to be just how many of those pixels can be created within this image, uh, assuming that the the sensor is able to pull that information. So how much how much information can that sensor take in, and how much detail can that uh, that sensor take in? Yeah. So, so the, you did a great job installing for a minute. So thank thanks. you. Yeah. Um, a a megapixel is technically a one million pixels kind okay. of. Idea. So if you imagine that you are looking at a camera phone that is touting 12 megapixels mm -hmm. as far as the type of quality it can shoot in a photo, you're technically talking 12 million pixels that would make up that image. So now it that can could recognize mean, 12 million pix mm -hmm. pixels of information from the scene, right? 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you imagine that translating to the digital photo that comes out that you actually obtain, it can be a very high resolution, a high quality, large image. Now, megapixels don't necessarily mean how good the quality of what's being snapped on those pixels is, but it is gathering a lot of data and yeah. obviously more data is good when you're talking digital photography, having mm -hmm. more data in a, in a photo gives you a lot more to work with. So you will hear the term megapixels. That is kind of one of those, uh, although I'll say, I, I feel like you hear it less in marketing nowadays. I think they've also realized with camera phones, they've gotten to a point where it's kind of like, yeah, we're kind of hitting a point where photos are always going to look good. <laughs> you know, we're, we're past that point now where megapixels are the determining factor of whether a photo is going to look good right. or not. Right. Um, but just know that that's, that's obviously one of the first terms people start batting around when they talk about looking at the camera phones and quality of those phones. Yep. Right. And, and Alan, I will say the the one thing that megapixel, we mentioned this last time, but the one thing that megapixels absolutely, um, will play a part in your decision is just going to be, if you're someone that's planning on blowing up pictures and printing them out. But other than that, so if you're, if you're not planning on taking that image and zooming in on it, either to blow it up for uh, the wall or zooming it in for to crop a certain part of your uh, of your picture to make it your desktop, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to see those pixels, right? Those pixels. It's just like saying um, that uh, TV that I buy, right? If I'm going to if if I'm going to be um, close enough to that TV to be able to really see the detail of what's going on with with uh, small parts of the screen. Absolutely. Right. The number of pixels are going to make a difference. But if I'm watching it on, you know, I'm watching it further away and all I'm looking to do is see the general aspects of things, yeah. you know, you won't notice a difference. So um, nowadays, the, the number of megapixels uh, are certainly going to be above 10 with most everything that you get and all the way up to, you know, 30 some with some of the, the nice cameras. So um, so you're, you're getting plenty of information, I think, for what most of us are using it for. Well, and I think too, you look at it, if, if you go into digital photography and you, you know, most all the shots I take, I just want to be able to share on social media. I want to put on Facebook. I want to share with family and friends just to see what's going on. The megapixels are probably not a big factor of determining for you because any camera phone you get is going to be more than enough for what you're trying to do. It really does come down to, like we talked about in the last episode, comes down to this idea of, are you going to blow this image up? What are you planning on doing with the image? after you've shot it. And uh, that is going to drive, if you are dedicated on the phone camera approach, then you definitely want to get the higher number of megapixels on your camera if you intend to have a larger print off yeah. of any of these photos. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, another thing I hear a lot with these camera phones is, you know, and I think this is pretty standard now in just about every camera phone coming out, is the, uh, taking HDR photos. So what do we know about HDR? What are, yeah. what are people Well, so that's, that's that? something that's gotten really popular, I think, in the last, um, you know, 10 years, let's say, of photography. The high dynamic range HDR, mm -hmm. um, it's something that it used to be more of a novelty that people would kind of take it to the extreme and show these really kind of crazy looking views on uh, on an image. And you'd wonder, like, oh, my gosh, how 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 was that created with all of this uh, powerful uh, colors coming out? 
But basically what high, di- high dynamic range, which is something now even the, the camera phones kind of build into the way that they mm-hmm. take the, uh, the pictures, why a lot of them really look so uh, impressive right away, is it's, you know, it's looking at um, taking the extremes of some of the um, elements of the picture. You know, the the brightness is even more bright and it kind of bumps up the contrast on certain uh, aspects of the, the picture. So a picture that may have looked fairly drab initially, it goes and basically takes the extremes of those colors and those contrasts and kind of bumps those up so that therefore you're getting this uh, much more rich and powerful picture. Um, a lot of the phones, as you said, a lot of the phones will have that option where you can either take all of your pictures in HDR, or you may even have it so that it'll take an HDR and a non-HDR version of the picture at the same time. Um, you know, to do this on a on a traditional camera is kind of challenging. Is that you actually end up taking the same picture multiple times with multiple exposures, so that you get a bright version, a dark version. Um, and then you blend them together. So you're taking all of these highs and lows and laying them on top of each other to make this really powerful thing. But of course, you know, your phones are doing it all at once, right? They're yeah. doing it at one time, taking all the highs and lows and brights and darks and um, kind of bumping those up. You know, it's like it's like what you would do on a uh, if you were to pull a, a picture up on a photo editor and then you tell it kind of to... Uh, take the the sensitivity elements and just jack them up. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, that pops now. Well, it's doing that more automatically for you. And I think that it's smart and that the people like yourself that really like to take the photos with their phone, you're seeing it right away. So they want to make sure that you're getting kind of the greatest experience right away and not having to sit there and retake things, not having to take a lot of time. They want to show you that pop. And I also, I think they're, you know, the, the, the people that are creating these cameras through the phones are realizing that most of what you're doing is to share it with other people via social media. So it needs to have the wow factor and they want to create the wow factor on every one of your photos. And, uh, and they're doing a really good job of that. So. Yeah. You mentioned about how by default you could have it taking both a standard photo or normal photo and a HDR Mm -hmm. photo at the same time. And you know, that is something I think it's important to note when you're going into digital photography is that, you know, most all modern phones are going to have HDR support for the photos. They are taken instantaneously, probably by default, they're already turned on. Uh, it does eat up a lot more space of storage to have both the normal yeah. and the HDR photo taken at the same time. You're basically doubling, you know, your, your amount of files space that you're taking up. So if, again, if HDR is not something that you really feel, again, if you're mainly going to be sharing photos with family, friends, and social media, and you may not need the HDR, and you may choose to turn that off, so it's just taking normal photos on your phone, uh, not using as much space, not using as much processing time and power, um, your images may look a little more uh, drab or flat you know, than they would otherwise but again, if that's not your main intent with shooting photos, then you do have that option. But I think it's pretty standard now, right? That most all modern phones coming out have HDR they, Yeah, I think they they do, or they're at least gathering enough information to where you can make it an HDR version of the phone. That's that's exactly. the other thing that's really, I, I think, 
pretty exciting, but it, it's maybe also a little frustrating from the photography point of view. But the 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 processors now in these uh, camera phones are able to take so much information at once that is really giving you just a ton of info that you could uh, tweak with later, that you could do all sorts of things with. So again, it's it's making the the process of actually taking the picture much less important than you know all the things it's doing beyond that, right? So it makes it as easy as possible to get the picture. Uh, which I guess is the purpose, um, but it's it's gathering so much information and doing yeah. so many processes with that information that yeah, you should be able to have an HDR version with uh, each uh, each of the the current uh, phones that are out there. Um, yeah, yeah a- Alan, well, we I don't know how much I don't know how much image stabilization uh, matters is like vibration control, image stabilization. I mean, I think that's the part that has really improved that you don't realize yeah. has improved. You know, if you have an early phone, you had a phone, you know, 15 years ago that you were trying to take a picture on, you would get a lot of blurry pictures, you know, especially at night, you try to take a picture of, you know, your, your family and it happens to be a little darker and you're realizing that the picture you took was not that great. Now it's almost, imp- I don't know. I, can you even get a blurry picture anymore? I'm not sure you can. I mean, I think it's really, right. really hard to get a blurry picture on a, uh, yeah. On a, on a phone. So I think that what they've done is kind of enhanced all of this, not only fast shutter speed to make sure things happen quickly, but recognizing some of the hand, everything's handheld, right? They realize that very few people are putting these on tripods. So um, they need to uh, kind of control for the movement of the, the, yeah. uh, the phone, right? No, I agree. Image stabilization is pretty rock solid now. I, we couldn't say that a few years ago, but now for sure. Yeah. I mean, I can remember plenty of times you yeah, have, my hand was moving just a little bit when taking a photo. Yeah. I saw it in the digital photo nowadays. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a blurry photo in a really long time. Right. And um, so obviously when you've got a very, very smart phone and processor sitting in that kit behind that camera, it can do all the adjustments it needs to do to make sure even if your hand is not the steadiest in the world, that shot is still going to be as crystal clear as it can make it. Yeah. Uh, now, I think we'll talk about a little bit later on. Tripods are still a really, really good idea for a lot of photography, even with your phone. So we'll talk about that a little later, just for stability and, and getting the the absolute clear shot you can. But even without it, uh, the, the phones do a really good job now with stabilization. The the other thing I was going to mention, Brian, just kind of a, a kind of a more specs related thing to make sure people are aware of when they're getting into the camera phone. Uh, we talked about this as kind of a pro and con uh, with the DSLR cameras, but keep in mind your your mobile device has a fixed amount of storage on it. So it comes with 64 gigabytes, 128 gigabytes, whatever that storage may be on your phone. And that's great. I mean, most of them are getting bigger and bigger with their storage. And I mean, you can snap a lot of photos even in 64 gigabytes of storage. But keep in mind, your phone is also using that storage for other things too. So if you're downloading programs and apps and games or anything on your phone, it's taking up more and more of that storage, leaving less of it for your photography. So I do think storage, if you are going to say, I really want to be a photographer with my mobile device and I'm going to take a lot of photos and I'm going to take the HDR versions of everything I shoot, I would I would err in favor of having the largest internal storage you can. Because uh, there are ways to use external storage if you're creative enough and you have the right accessories to do it. But uh, really, 
you know, you really would just want to have that internal storage on your phone to be as large as you're going to need it for the kind of photos you want to be taking. Yeah. Or you need a really good, uh, you need to be fairly diligent about getting your photos elsewhere. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's, so, that's you know, one of the yeah, things if you, uh... you want to be really, well, and Alan, and the reason I bring that up too, is that I think we're with mobile, we have to have to kind of get people to be thinking, are you someone who is approaching this as I like to take pictures and I have my phone and I want to take the best pictures I can with my phone when I go out and I, I want my pictures to look as good as possible. Or are you someone that says, I want to be a photographer or I want to do photography and I just happen to want to use my camera or my phone to do yeah. that. Because if you're that person, then you also, to me, what makes the big distinction is, are you willing to put some time into prep and then also processing afterwards? So if you're someone who says, well, hey, I want to just take really good pictures and they're all going to be available so I can show my friends. Great. You're not needing to put any time into processing. But if you're someone who wants to have pictures that you could print to go on the wall to make a photo book, you're now going to want to put the time in to process those things. Part of that time is going to be storing them, putting them into another place, getting them off of your phone. Um, right. So to me, that's why I don't think the storage is as big of an issue if you yeah, have decided you're going to move in that way. If you haven't, if you're someone who loves to take pictures and you love to take them with your phone, you're right. That is going to fill up your space super fast. Video. Well, I'm, even, just yeah. up. I'm just thinking the situation, let's say you are wanting to be a, a, a higher level photographer with your, with your camera phone and you have a chance to go on a safari mm -hmm. and you know, you're going to be out for days and you want to be able to snap at your heart's content and not have to worry about storage. Then, you know, you just got to keep that in mind on a phone. Yeah. Other yeah. things are using yeah. that storage. So, um, it's just something to be mindful of. I think it, it really kind of depends on what your workflow is going to be, but uh, I have known people that, you know, love taking photos, just more social photos who have filled up their phone yep. because either they forget to download the photos and clear them out, or they are got so much other stuff on their phone that it's you know, taking up all the space. And uh, that becomes a challenge. The last thing you want to do is be out on a shoot or out somewhere with a great photography opportunity and your camera doesn't have enough uh, storage on it to shoot some more photos. Mm -hmm. um, so storage is important. I mean, yeah. I, I'm always erring in favor of larger storage on my phone, if at all possible, just because I'd never want to be stuck in that situation. But, uh, but there are price differences, obviously, to go with different base level yeah. storage on your phone. So it's just it, you got to kind of calculate that a little bit into your decision, I think. Well, and just, just to confirm, the, the Safari you were talking about earlier, I mean, yeah. that would be, that would be Wi-Fi, right? I mean, uh, so no. You, you, no, come on. I mean, the new, the new Safari has got to be Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if I could, if I can upload my photos while I'm out, you know, around the elephants, right. Then I should be fine. Right. You're, you're, you're saying if there's Wi-Fi out, <laughs> let's say in the Congo, there's a, there's a AT&T hotspot somewhere ready for you to upload your phone. That's what you're counting, counting on, right? Well, I mean, of course. I mean, yeah, I assume, I assume Wi-Fi is everywhere now, right? Are you just, are you just shooting photos off the balcony of your hotel room and that's kind of what you're planning on doing? So that, that's your idea of it. That's Safari right. The, Hilt, the Hilton has a good Wi-Fi uh, that I can yeah. look down on that, uh, that great land. So, All right. no, so I, think, I think you're right. I think uh, having, having the ability enough, enough storage space given whatever situation you're going to be in, right? Yeah, exactly. To get it off. Uh, and I will say that's something that unfortunately is is a major downside of mobile photography 
I mean, now that you think about it, it's, you know, a, a DSLR camera we'll talk about later. I just swap out a, a card, right? Yeah, I can right. take the storage and put it somewhere else. It's a lot harder yeah. to, to say I'm going to plug in an external hard drive to a phone. It's just not, there's just not that. Uh, it's not as intuitive. And that, that is the nice thing with the DSLR is that those little smart media cards are so small and light. Yeah. You could honestly carry a pack of, you know, 10 or 15 of them mm-hmm. in a little small little bag with you and you just swap them out as you go. Um, you're still going to have a finite amount of storage, but the opportunity to have so much more storage available to you right. is so so much easier. So again, it's, it's something to just keep in mind. Uh, I think if people are smart with their storage and really know what they're going to be doing and have a good workflow for how they get their photos off their cameras, uh, on a regular basis, then then storage should not be an issue, but it is something to be mindful of otherwise. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Now, Brian, I, I do want to, I, I thought it might be good for us to maybe talk about a couple of phones in particular, you know, a couple of like more popular phones that are really meant for, that really have great cameras on them and they're are being sold right now. Um, and let's talk a little bit about some of the differences on them. But before I do, the one thing I, I thought was important to mention is something that is relatively new on a lot of these camera phones just in the last couple of years, a feature that is really, I think, changing things up on the digital photography side. And it's the idea of multiple lenses. Yeah. So, uh, for example, the iPhone uh, 11, the Pro version, which is the one, you know, if you're going to really be serious about photography and you want to actually do this uh, as part of your career, going with that Pro-level iPhone uh, would probably be a good move because it really focuses on the lenses that it uses. It's got three lenses on the back of the camera. Same thing with the Samsung Galaxy S20, which is another one that's on the Android, uh, more Google side of things. And they're about similarly priced. Both phones, about a thousand bucks if you bought it outright. Obviously, most phones you can buy on some sort of installment plan with your provider. But both of them are great in that they're using these multiple lenses um, to do the, to do what they're doing photography-wise. So normally it's a, you have a ultra-wide lens, you have a wide angle lens and then you have like a telephoto lens. All right. Yeah. So Brian, if you've got these three fo- lenses running on the phone, kind of what, what happens when you're taking a photo? Like what, how do they work together? I mean, I, well, I, you know, yeah, I think they potentially they're working together on focus. You know, you may have uh, the three different lenses or you could even say the three different cameras back there that are each taking a different perspective of the same image. And again, if we talk about earlier HDR, right, if you're trying to do a high dynamic range, you're trying to get as much information and um, much as as many as the highs and lows and focus and out of focus, all the things together to give you the greatest amount of, uh, of editing capability. So that's one benefit. And one of the things I'm really kind of excited about, I think is probably also going to be the future of actual photography as well. You know, it, uh, there's been a lot of little test cases out there where you'll have a, an, a DSLR camera that's got a couple of different sensors and each sensor is doing a different thing. 
And the beauty of that is, I mean, imagine me taking a picture, Alan, let's say I go to, um, uh, let's say that I, uh, I go to a wedding and I take a picture of the bride and groom together and I'm quickly, I'm kind of snapping the picture. And then I go back later and realize how oh, I'm not focused on, you know, the, 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 the groom's face, right? I can't really see the groom's face. It's a little blurry. Imagine being able to go to that picture and say, well, let's just tweak it and make it so that I can focus on the groom's face afterwards. Well, if multiple cameras had taken multiple versions of that picture at once, you might be able to then post-process, be able to go back and do different things. Um, with this case, I think the, probably the more useful part of having multiple lenses on the, the phones is that when you do have a, a wide angle, you have a telephoto, you have these things mixed in together, it gives you more capability of kind of scanning through the range of pictures. Yeah. You know, you could, you could scale back and be able to do a wide. So that's using one lens and having those all on one, uh, on one lens is not really that possible. So th- Alan, you know, if, if I really wanted to do a long telephoto picture, you see cameras that are really have a really long lens in the end, right? It kind mm-hmm. of you know, expands the difference between the glass and the sensor, yeah. which allows me to then zoom in. Well, you can't do that on a phone. There's no sure. distance, right? There's no distance. Yeah, We're talking right. millimeters. So instead, you kind of have different uh, lenses that all have a different um uh, kind of bend to the lens to be able to show mm-hmm. a different part of the screen. So I think, it, I mean, it's, it's super exciting. I don't know where it's going to stop. I mean, we went from yeah. one to two to now we got three. I think the next one's four. Uh, I think four is already coming out, right? With uh, Actually, yeah. And then the next number after that's five. That's what I hear, right? I hear mm-hmm. that five is Yeah, that's, uh, that's what all the people are saying right now is five comes after four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we'll, we'll see what happens, right? We'll yeah, see. I don't know. <laughs> it gets crazy at that point. Um, so, so, so if I'm sitting here on my iPhone or, yep. or Galaxy S20, and I, I have three three lenses on the back of the, the camera, and I'm taking a photo. So what that technically means is that if I say, okay, look, I'm going to do my pinch and zoom. I'm going to kind of zoom out to a wide angle shot. Like I want to show as much in the shot as possible. But then I say, yeah, no, I don't really actually really want that. I want to go a little bit more closer. It's kind of moderating between these different lenses to say, all right, which lens do I kind of move to using based on what kind of shot he's trying to get? Yeah. Is that, I am, so. I, am I right in saying I that? So. Yeah, I mean, I think they're, that's part of what they're doing. Um, but I also think that it's not just having those three lenses. I think that they may even be different sensors within those, right? So it could also be that, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically in a way because I don't yeah. know if this is how they do it, but it could also be that, hey, listen, I've decided to zoom back, but that part of my picture in the middle that I'm focused on, on this wide uh, frame is where I really need the major focus. Well, let's tie together the one lens that's pulling the focus of the center and the other lens that's doing the wide for everything else around it and making yeah. one great photo. Right. So I think there's just lots of options that they have now. So, so the, the big takeaway here is if you are purchasing a phone right now and you're looking for one that you can actually do the best photography, there is a benefit for having the multiple cameras, yeah. right? You'll well, get not a- options if you have the multiple cameras. Yeah. But I think it's important to note because we just went through a lot of technical examples of how these lenses work. 
when you're actually a user sitting at your phone, kind of, it's all being done for you. You are yeah, still getting the best shot. The camera. You're not yeah. telling it what to yeah. do. Uh, you're zooming in and out wherever you want to kind of frame the shot the size you want and it's using the the appropriate lens but it's also taking information from all three lenses to give you the best photograph and some of the best options for post-processing and editing afterwards so um well it's like it's exciting yeah it's one of the things i talk about uh in my class when i teach a um, kind of a sensation of perception course but um you know i was i asked my students to tell me tell me why humans benefit from having two eyes, right? And we've got two eyes. Why, why not just one big eye in the center of our forehead? And what would, would we lose if we had that one eye? And the biggest issue is kind of the idea of depth perception, right? Depth perception. I've got two eyes. I've got two views on the same thing, which gives me more information to be able to see different angles of the same thing and then compute what's happening with this. So when you start adding multiple cameras and saying, let's take the same thing from multiple ways, you're kind of getting the best of all of that. You're getting more depth. Yeah. You're getting more information. You're getting a better chance to see, um, you know, blur, uh, which makes some of the the pictures have some beauty when you blur out certain parts and yeah. sharpen other parts. So I just, I just think there's lots of cool options um, with the way that, uh, that the the mobile photography is taking. Well, multiple lenses. to me, the introduction of multiple lenses on a mobile phone probably the biggest game changer in terms of, for me, uh, usability, flexibility on digital photography on a, on a mobile phone. Yeah. Um, because at that point it's starting to say, look, there's a lot wider range of photography you can take and we're getting, we're gathering a lot more information that we didn't have before to give you a better image. So I've yep. been generally really blown away by some of the photos I've seen taken with the multi-lens cameras that are out now. So um, now I think, as we I kind of go back to the example of the two phones that are kind of more what are considered like the gold standard now for if you want the best phone that with the best photography, these are kind of the two models out there floating out there kind of using a lot of head to head comparisons, the Apple iPhone 11 pro and the Samsung galaxy S 20 again, very comparable price wise. And they, they get put head to head a lot uh, on, on a lot of different uh, comparison sites. So both of them have three rear-facing camera lenses that we just described, uh, a telephoto lens, a wide angle, and an ultra-wide angle. What I think is kind of interesting, and just, again, as somebody's going to shop for these things and looking at uh, choices for these cameras, uh, these camera phones, is that each one has some different advantages or features they play up. So, for example, I found this pretty fascinating. The Samsung Galaxy S20, it has the three lenses. Uh, two of the lenses, the wide angle and the ultra wide angle are both 12 megapixel sensors. So again, we, we, as we mentioned, that's kind of a standard now for the kind of megapixel sensors that you would get with your photos, but the telephoto camera lens has a huge megapixel. Like it goes up to like 64 megapixels to do that telephoto. So when you switch to telephoto on the, on the galaxy S 20, it is really honing in and using all of its resources to get you a huge number of pixels from that telephoto shot. So a really tight close-up shot of something. Um, that's kind of interesting. On the on the iPhone, uh, it's 12 megapixels for all three lenses. So they don't really add anything more to the, to the te telephoto lens. But again, you know, it's really going to be down to kind of putting it in some real-world situations and seeing what kind of photos you get as to overall what the quality is going to look like. 
the megapixels are just a, a measurement of how much data it's pulling in and putting into the photographic graphs. Um, yeah, but that, that can make a difference, right? I mean, it, you, you, at least on specs, you might then take away to say, well, if I want to do some telephoto type, you know, zooming in on my, uh, on my phone, and then I want to use that information to blow up a, a picture later on, or so I want something that I could then crop and kind of expand. It certainly looks like the Galaxy uh, S20 is going to have a lot more data that you can play with. So oh, yeah. zooming in on something and then also afterwards being able to crop that image, uh, I'm guessing you're going to notice a difference. So uh, yeah, you're so going to have a lot more to work with for sure. The other thing I think is interesting to note on these on these camera phones, and it's kind of my big hang up with with mobile photography. It's the one thing that I'm just not happy about, and it's 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 a real it's a real issue for me when going out and taking photos is zooming. Okay, um, we talked about there's different lenses on these cameras, so one of them is going to be a telephoto lens, one of them's going to be ultra wide. But if you are standing in one place and you want to zoom in to a shot. It's going to use the lenses it can use, but once it gets to that point of that lens, the lens will only do an optical zoom up to a certain amount. And by optical, we mean not digital zoom. It's a true lens-based zoom. Beyond that point, it has to flip to a digital zoom, which if you've ever taken your camera phone and zoomed all the way into something, like do your pinch and zoom and just go as far in as you can go you will see the image becomes much, much more, more pixelated. Mm -hmm. It's a lot shakier an image. It's just not a great zooming experience. They've gotten better, but it's still not you know, ideal for anybody. So what's interesting is you look at the specs on these phones, you know, the iPhone 11 has a 2X optical zoom, which means, you know, you can pinch in and zoom to double the amount of distance and it's still using the lens zooming. So it's actually getting you a good clear image. But then past 2x, it will go up to 10x for a digital zoom, which means you can zoom in 10 times as far, but it's using the computer, the, the processor, to calculate that zoom instead of actually using the lens, which is your purest uh, quality on the zoom. Um, the Galaxy S20 has an optical zoom of up to three times, meaning you can go in a little further, zoom in a little closer than the iPhone can and still have a sharp image optically but then it also goes to a 30x digital zoom. So again, you can go a lot further, but it is all digital based at that point. So again, these are just some things to keep in mind. I will say zooming is the one thing I think a lot of people I've talked to who have gotten into camera phone photography get discouraged by once they realize that, oh, so I'm at the zoo. I can't really zoom in on that giraffe head as much as I could have with my old cameras with these camera phones, because once I do, it becomes really, really kind of a janky looking photo. It's not, it's not great quality. And uh, that's because it's using that digital zoom to get in that far. So um, I think it's interesting. So as you're looking at camera phones, A, understand the limitations of zooming. And then B, if zooming is terribly important to you, you may want to look at the phone that's going to give you the best optical zoom yeah, and yeah. then even look to see where the quality is on the digital zoom. Who's got the best digital zoom quality as well? So, Alan, on uh, the mobile phones, can you turn off optical zoom? I'm mean, uh, digital zoom. Can you? I have seen that feature I, before. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that's a standard setting anymore. I, yeah. I, 
I know it used to be. I remember actually seeing some settings where you could say, don't use digital zoom. So if you zoom in all the way, it is really just going to push the boundary of what the optical zoom lens will let you do. Yeah. So in other words, it's preventing you from taking a bad photo by digital zooming. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a... I haven't seen it on the iPhone lately, but and just so people can get a real world example here, if you remember, you know, 30 years ago when you were using point and shoot cameras, right? The little, the little box cameras that everybody had, and that's all it was, was a camera. Um, and there was usually the toggle for the zoom and the, the lens would pop out of the front and kind of zoom in and back whenever you were uh, doing your, uh, uh, your toggle zoom. There got to be a point where you would toggle and, and then the lens would stop and then it allow you to continue to go further. And it would basically just expand that image like you're kind of zooming in beyond that. And of course, you weren't zooming in beyond that. All you were doing was you were taking a crop of the image that you were actually optically able to see, uh, able to, to gather. So if we talk about megapixels, right, let's just say for uh, sake, you had 20, me 20 megapixels, you zoomed in optically, you're getting those 20 megapixels until you start going digital. And now you're getting fewer of those megapixels because all you're doing is just cropping what you're seeing yeah. to make it look like you're zooming. And so uh, well, it's almost like when you're viewing a photograph on your computer, like you have it pulled up on your computer, it looks great. And then if you do the, uh, the, the, the magnifying glass, the plus, yeah. you know, you're zooming in, you keep zooming in and in and in, you start to see, oh, wow, there's actually, I can start to see some imperfections. I can start yep. to see some blurred pixels. That's what digital zooming is doing on your camera. It's just right. zooming in on the image and it doesn't make the resolution any better. It actually is hurting your resolution as it goes to digital zoom. Yeah. yeah. And you so you can see, Alan, with those specs that you gave, I mean, Samsung, the, the Galaxy S20 really has made a an attempt to be a a good camera phone, right? A good photography uh, on, uh, phone. On specs, yes. On specs. Yep. Now, here's where the caveat to all this is. I mean, I can even go into more detail about, you know, each of these cameras have their own aperture levels and some are, you know, different levels of, of all the other specs they have within their, in their, in their camera phones. At the end of the day, it still boils down to how does the camera, how does the camera phone process that image? Because I can go on the web right now and search for these two camera phone models, the iPhone 11 pro and the Samsung galaxy S 20. I can do a Google searches and I will find just as many websites saying, Oh, the iPhone 11 Pro uh, images look better. The photography is better than the Galaxy. And I'll find the other half to say the opposite. It's just, it becomes at that point, a the computer on your phone is having to figure out how do I make this image look the absolute best in whichever phone platform does the best job of helping process that image you just snapped. So even if you've got all the specs on one side, um, it's still down to how the, how they process that image, I feel like. So... I will say this. I've seen beautiful photographs with both of these phones we just mentioned. I've seen beautiful photographs with lesser phones, with lesser specs than we just mentioned. Um, it does become a little bit subjective and it does become a little bit of a, um, you know, if you're more comfortable with one type of phone over another, if you're a better iPhone user than you are a, a Galaxy Samsung user, then you might have better, feel like you have better control over your camera with an iPhone and you might be able to take better shots because you're more comfortable with the platform. There's so many other factors that go in. And uh, I think the key message is that right now, the camera phones that are coming out are really good and yeah. they're only going to get better. And you can't really take a 
bad shot with it as much. Um, but obviously you do want to, if you really want to do this as any kind of profession or something as a, a really high level hobby, you're going to really want to pay a little more attention to some of these specs when you make your, your purchase. Yeah. Yep. And I think Alan, uh, obviously we've talked about mobile photography as being a really cost effective way of doing good photography because you're already going to have a phone, right? You know, you're going to have a phone and the camera kind of comes with it. However, there is a caveat there, right? That if, if in photography, you know, you're probably going to buy a new camera maybe every 10 years, right? Every 10 years is when you kind of upgrade your body of your camera. Uh, I'm upgrading mine right now, and it's been about 10 years or a little bit more uh, since the last one. But if you're someone that's really interested in phone photography, you may be someone who wants the latest and greatest on what comes out, like these three, four, and what was the next number? Was it five? five? Yeah, five cameras. Wait, wait, was it six? No, no, it was five. Yeah, it was five. five comes after four, yeah. I just Googled it and that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so you may be somebody that all of a sudden has to upgrade your phone, which is your camera, upgrading yeah. that maybe every two or three years, right? So when you start to think about, hey, listen, I need that new because I'm trying to use this as my profession or as my, yeah. you know, uh, certainly as my heavy hobby. So, you know, there is, I'm, I'm certainly not going to say it is more expensive to have uh, uh, mobile photography because it's not, right? It's not at all. But there is something where if you're saying, I want to not just to take what my camera and my phone has, but I want to make sure I have the right phone and camera mm. built into that. So you may be, you know, you may be upgrading that every three years, you know, instead of every well, day, So, And I, I could view that as a positive because me personally, right. regardless of my camera on my phone, I'm kind of on an every two to three year upgrade cycle on my, on my phone anyway. So the fact is that, oh, wow. So by me upgrading my phone, which I'm naturally going to do regardless of the camera, I get a new whole new camera system on my phone with whatever's available at the time. So, you know, it's, it's give or takes. I mean, I, I, I think what you'll understand from Brian and, and me talking about this over the last couple of weeks and over the next couple is, there's not a bad decision on where you go with direction wise. It's just understanding the caveats and the pros and cons in both directions. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, there are some people out there making a really good living, taking photography on mobile phones and they take really good photos. They're very intentional about it. They know how to use them and they're doing some great stuff. So yep. um, nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. So Brian, let's, let's kind of flip over to kind of some fun stuff now, or right, let's say somebody says, look, you know, I get it. I understand it. I've got a phone. I've got my mobile phone. I've decided which one I'm going to have, or I've got the one that's in my pocket already. How do I, how do I take some better photos with this? What are some tips and things we I could do to get the best photos out of this? Yeah. You and I both have some, some ideas on yep. things that we have found to be, to be better on that. What would you say is the number one thing, Brian, if somebody said, I want to take better photos with my mobile, my mobile phone. What would you tell them to do? Mm. Well, I'm going to probably say, uh, get a tripod. Yeah. That's me too. First one. And, uh, and, and you don't need a full on, uh, you know, five foot tall tripod, right? Because that's probably not the way that you're going to be doing a lot of your mobile, you know, maybe having a, uh, a tripod. There's some really cool ones out there for mobile photography, because again, you're, you're, your camera or your phone is not that heavy. So it's not like you yeah. need the, you know, really bulky type uh, tripod. But when you start to, when you start to take 
pictures from a stationary position rather than by hand. Now, again, you're the the phones are incredibly smart and they all have accelerometers built into them. So they know when you're moving and they can adjust what the camera is doing based on what your mm-hmm. movement is. You're just going to get a better picture if it's stationary. And, um, and yeah. as good as we are to be able to hold something in place with two hands, uh, it's not going to be as good as if it was on a tripod. So finding a tripod, um, you know, again, having a big tripod is completely counterproductive with the reason why you wanted to go mobile photography. You wanted to have it in your pocket. You wanted to go quick. Right. So you can buy small tripods, maybe, you know, a, a six to 12 inch long tripod that can expand or some that actually have kind of bendable legs that you could wrap on a, uh, uh, a banister or something wherever you're close mm-hmm. by. I think those are great, right? The key is get it out of your hand yeah. when you're getting ready to take the picture. Um, well, the stability of it's key there. And even if you refer back to the, the, the suggestion or the, the bits, the brothers and tech suggestion I gave last episode was a monopod. Yeah, and again, yeah. that's a great opportunity too. If, if you're really concerned about lugging a lot of stuff with you, take yeah. a monopod and you can have an adapter on the top that can make your phone fit in there. And at least it gives them some sense of stability. It's not as strong as a three-legged tripod, but it still will give you better stability than just holding it in your hand would do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I still think the tripod, you know, yeah, I don't want to lug around a tripod if I'm, you know, walking around an amusement park with my family and just want to have something quick to take photos. But if I'm outside and we're taking a great nature hike and I, I would like to get some good photos, then yeah, I will take a monopod with me and use that to kind of get some good stuff. And uh, I agree. I think tripods tops on the uh, ideas. Alan, uh, let me ask. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Can, I, can I follow up on that real quick? Because sure. Um, the one problem that people have is if you're doing the, if you put a phone on a tripod to take the picture, you are going up to touch the phone, which of course is going to move the phone when you make, uh, you touch the phone. So here's a, as a quick piece of advice, um, one is if you're someone that has a a watch that's connected to your, uh, your Mm -hmm. phone, like an Apple watch, you can use the camera a little app on your watch and let that be the way that you trigger your phone. And that way you're not touching the phone and not shaking the phone right when you, when you want to actually take a picture. The other kind of a little simpler way, and a lot of people don't realize this, if you take your headphones, even your wired headphones, plug it into your, your phone and use the headphone as a remote trigger. So your headphones have a volume, uh, a volume trigger on the, um, uh, on the cord itself, clicking the up volume will actually take your picture. So you don't actually have to touch the camera. You don't have to touch the phone. So again, nothing shaking. And that's what you really want. You want something where that picture is going to be taken with the camera, not moving at all. So finding a way to do a remote, uh, shutter would be helpful. I think you just made up that bit about the headphones because I didn't know that. I did not. I did not. You didn't make it up. That's that's true. That is very true. Yeah. If you take the up. So this is iPhone, uh, iPhone uh, headphones. If you plug that into your your, uh, phone, and of course, we're talking about the headphone jack, right? But I think it also works with the ones that go through the power. The ones that are uh, the US, uh, the uh, lightning or... If you pull up your camera app and you hold it so that you're taking, you're getting ready to take a picture and you do the volume up on your headphones, mm-hmm. it snap the picture. Interesting. Yes. Did not know that. Yep. Did not know yep. that. 
God, I'm, uh, I'm writing every one of these down over the the months of the things where I teach you something because it's rare. Had a few. But had I, a few. I write them down. So yeah. you've had a few. I, I I admire you on that. Um. So okay, so tripod. Yes, we do believe is probably the number one thing that uh, we would both recommend for uh, getting good photos. Um. People have asked me a lot, and I've actually played around a little bit with some of these lenses that you can buy that actually attach to the phone. So you see them. I mean, I've seen them both some some high quality ones. I've seen some that are sold at the discount store in the checkout line, where it's just like a little clip on lens, additional lens you can clip onto the phone, and it goes over the natural phone lens. Yep. But adds some of that depth you were talking about that we have to have for lenses where we try, we want to get the lens away from the camera sensor a little bit more. Yep. So I've seen some of those and, you know, with mixed results, I mean, I've seen some that seem to do a pretty good job as long as the, what you're shooting is well lit and, you know, is, is a good image to begin with. Those lenses can help you get a little closer to them or can some of them do a fisheye lens. You've got some other attachments there. But I've also seen ones that, you know, my kids have bought a couple over the years just to have on their phone, just for playing around. And they're not that great. I mean, you know, the quality of, of the lenses is not good. You get what you pay for. Yep. They were like, you know, $10 in the checkout line. Well, you're going to get a $10 lens added to your phone. Uh, it's not going to make a huge difference, but if you're really intent on having a little more, uh, not, not necessarily a zoom, but a little more, closer uh, of images from your phone and you really don't want to go DSLR. You really want to try and make it work with your phone. There are some good quality ones you can get that will allow you to have a little more distance on your, on your, uh, your telephoto side of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to say, I, I've purchased two sets of these. Neither one were for me. Uh, I gave a friend uh, a version of these when I knew that she was taking a lot of pictures and just using her phone. So I wanted to kind of uh, help her kind of expand what she was doing. And then uh, our niece uh, for her birthday, I, I gave a uh, kind of a set of these and they were the fairly cheap set on Amazon, yeah. you know, maybe 20 bucks um, for yeah. the entire set. And I have to say she had a lot of fun with it and I, I had a lot of fun having her use it. Um, and specifically, so if you, if you want to, if you want a different perspective, like mm -hmm. a macro lens or a wide angle lens or a fisheye lens or a, a something like that, I think they're fantastic. I think because yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, the beauty is the, the phone itself is so smart and powerful that it's going to take whatever's coming in through that and adapt mm -hmm. it so that it's still a good picture. Um, I, I would say, you know, if you can get some that aren't just plastic, that's yeah. the best, right? Anything that has kind of a metal frame so that you know when it goes on there, it's going to stay uh, fairly uh, uh, firm and it's not going to bend over time. And then yeah. that it's actual glass, right? If you can get some that have actual glass to them, but they're not that expensive. Uh, they, they, no, that expensive. really not. I don't think the telephotos are that good. Um, yeah. Again, because you're kind of putting a big honking thing on a, on a mobile device and there's not a real connection there. So I, I get nervous about a, large telephoto unless you do it uh in a, in a very high-end way but but yeah i think they're great and i think they're a great way to dive into photography while using mm -hmm. your phone because you start to recognize oh that's what a macro does that's what a you know telephoto does that's what a wide angle does and it just gives you different perspectives uh on things yeah. you can't really control as easily with the phone mm -hmm. so yeah interesting yeah cool um the other thing that i wanted to mention Alice, there are some yeah. 
there's some filters out there that can be used. And we could talk about filters that are digital. There's also some filters that are kind of that go on the outside of the phone. I think more importantly, you know, recognizing that there's ways of adjusting the image that you're seeing to be more creative, you know, putting some vignetting on, putting some, uh, some black and white, some, um, some of these different, uh, scales on there to, to really kind of show your creativity. I think that's, that's the, I would say the easy step and almost the no brainer step for people that are using their phone, you know, yeah. use some of the the digital filters, uh, Instagram does a lot of those things when people post them anyway. And you always wonder like, God, that person's a great photographer. Well, they mm-hmm. might have just kind of laid something on top of it afterwards, but at least shows their creativity, right? It shows what they, yeah. uh, they view as a good picture. So. Oh no, it, it's, it, I'm much more of a purist where I'd rather get the best cleanest image when I shoot it and then do all the post-processing later on. But no, if you're someone who has a real clear vision of the kind of photograph you want to get, there are tons of apps, tons of filters that can be applied both internally and externally to your phone that'll give you a lot of, it's really one of the advantages of the mobile photography is that, you know, with a DSLR, you pretty much are getting the image you're snapping. And then if you want to do some processing afterwards, you do some work on that. With the mobile phone, you could really see how that black and white photo is going to look right there on the spot if you had the right app and filter to do that. And um, it does give you some flexibility with that. So yeah, it's great. There are some ways. I mean, I, I do encourage you know some of these photography apps that are highly rated on the app stores, both Google and Apple uh, app stores. Ones that are highly regarded, highly rated, uh, some good filters, some some good adjustments you can make to your photos after the fact. Um, or some of them let you actually see those layers and adjustments while you're shooting the photo, which is nice too. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, I got one that's really simple, but man, this thing has burned me so many times. Um, my phone is in my pocket quite a lot when I'm out and about. So whenever I pull it out to take a photo, uh, I am amazed with how many times those photos are blurry or, or has a haze on it or streaking off the lights I shoot in the photo because my lens is dirty and uh, I don't have a lens cover for my phone. So basically it is a, you know, my, my lens is my, my lens is exposed whenever my phone's out and being used. So I do recommend if you're going to be taking a lot of photos, have with you a lens cloth with you that can just easily wipe down your lens before you sit down to take a really good photo. Because man, it's mine in particular, I've got an iPhone 10, Mm-hmm. And it is super sensitive on the lens. I mean, and just barely brushing up against it, I can pull it out to take a photo. And if there's a bright light in that shot, it's got streaking all off that light. And it's all very, uh, just makes for a really tough experience. So yep. I do recommend cleaning the lens uh, often, you know, especially if your your phone is one that's, uh, the lens is exposed outside of a cover or anything else. And uh you have it out in the elements at all. And this, so. is a, this is what's a big difference between mobile photography and uh, DSLR photography. I mean, if you're if you, you would never let you put your lens back in the bag without a lens cover on it, right? Yeah. Without protecting right. it. Um, so I do think, and that's also something. If you're wanting to take your mobile photography to another level, even looking into a case maybe that has a lens cover, like a slide lens. Yeah. That when you're not using it, you cover it up, and you may be thinking, "Oh, well, that that makes it harder for me to quickly grab that picture." But again, if you're doing it for photography, you don't want to quickly grab that picture. You want to think yeah. about that picture. You know, you want to yeah. uh, you want to prepare for that a little bit more. So I, I do think taking that 
step up would be really, really helpful. If nothing else, as you said, at least clean it. I mean, the glass they have on those are incredibly uh, solid, you know, pieces of glass. They're using Gorilla Glass and all of that. But it's still, you get one, you know, piece of dirt on there. It changes what it can do. So one little smudge, one little streak on it. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, We've talked about, uh, you know, well, we haven't really talked about lighting. Lighting and, you know, every camera phone has a flash on it. I can't tell you the last time I've ever used the flash on my camera phone. Um, the flash, the flashes on those phones are really meant for one purpose and one purpose only. You're in a very, very dark situation and you at least want to be able to see a person's face and yep. basically in the dark situation. So otherwise though, I, I recommend turning that flash off and focusing on lighting externally. Um, yep either natural lighting. These phones are really good at capturing natural light and using it effectively to make your shot look good. But even if it means for a really important photography session or a shoot, having some external lights that can just give you the kind of lighting you're looking for in an environment, please don't count on your flash to do it for you because that's not what it's really made for. Yeah. That is a, I'm at a party at night and you can't see anything, but I at least want to show people's faces that are partying and having a good time. Then a camera flash is probably something that would at least give yeah. you what you need in that situation. Yeah. So, yeah. If you're just yeah. creating memories, sure. But if you're wanting to create quality pictures, I agree with you. Either having a um, some external lighting or if, again, you're trying to go minimal, you know, you and a friend are there, have them turn their flashlight on on their you know, on their camera to be more, and then they can go from a different oh, perspective. That's a great idea. Yeah. Right. Because the problem with doing the flash, and this is why I, I never use a flash even on a DSLR is because it's coming from one spot. You're always getting the front yeah. lighting, which is not a creative way of taking a picture, but you know, have the person turn their flashlight on, have them move to the side of what you're trying to take a picture on, get a different perspective. And then you take it. I think it's kind of cool. So that's great. I, I haven't even thought about having somebody else's camera yeah. phone flash serve as a external light source, but um, yeah, lighting is still, I, I think it's probably the most under, under, under focused on area of photography for casual photography. People just don't pay attention to lighting. They think, well, the lighting is fine. I've got an overhead fluorescent light in this room and I can see things, so it must be fine. But lighting makes so much of an impact on a photograph, Um, photo or video. I mean, it's really the lighting is so key. So uh, please pay attention to that and don't rely on the camera phone flash to get you through those situations. Um, Anything else, Brian? Well, a little bit more about the lighting really quickly. It's, yeah. it's another thing that I just, I'm amazed people don't know or don't kind of recognize that when you're taking your picture on your phone, a lot of times I think people just assume the lighting that it takes in is all you have control over. Um, but at least on an iPhone, you know, when, you, when you're pulling your phone up and you're looking at the screen to see what the, uh, the image is going to look like, you know, one, everybody knows that you can kind of touch on a different part of the screen to take the focus box and put it on that area. So if there's a uh, if there's an animal on the right side of your screen and you want to focus on that, but not focus on something that's a little bit more deep in the uh, the photograph, you can touch on what you want to focus on. But when you do that touching on what you want to focus, if you keep your finger on the screen and then slide it up or down, it'll increase or decrease the amount of light that you are bringing in. Um, so, you know, you might be thinking, oh, well, I want to take a picture of this, but I really want kind of more of a low lit, you know, uh, 
bringing less light in, you can actually kind of change some of that and uh, and tweak the way you're doing the photos. So interesting, yeah, good try point. To play a little bit with some of the the opportunities rather than just taking automatically what the phone thinks is a good picture. Of, you know, you you tell it what you think uh, you want it to do. So that's hmm. good. So those are some of the ideas and just tips about, you know, kind of uh, getting the best out of your mobile phone. Um, I will say there's some great resources online, some great videos and great tutorials on just really getting good with your camera phone uh, for for higher level photography. But uh, I think it's important to just know some of the some of the specs and understand what those mean. Um, but again, I kind of restate again, I think there's not a bad camera phone on modern phones uh, coming out right now with uh, any new devices you could try to invest in. Um, so you're not going to be going a bad direction with any of those choices. It's just a matter of if there are some specs that are a little more important to you and are going to be a little more uh, important for the type of work you want to be doing. And then thinking about some of these tips and enhancements of ways to, to create the best photo experience you can from your mobile device. I'm a fan. I think, this is so exciting to me every time they introduce new camera enhancements on these camera phones. Get excited to see where it goes. But I also realize I, I can sometimes see those limitations, you know, that, that you have. And as long as you're comfortable with the limitations and they're not going to stand in your way from doing the kind of work you want to do, I think uh, mobile phone ca camera photography is a great way to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, it's an exciting, it's an exciting uh, time for, uh, you're putting photography at a lot of people's fingertips, which I think is yep. the exciting way of thinking about it. It's always right. great. Yeah. good. Yeah. So with that, we're going to kind of wrap up this topic, but Brian, before we leave here, we, uh, we always do every episode, our brothers in tech suggestions, our bits. And uh, as it relates to this episode in particular, so uh, Brian, you are definitely more of the photographer in the family than I am. So I'm anxious to hear your suggestions over the next couple of weeks. What have you got for us on this episode? Well, I, I will preface this by saying I do not have uh, this equipment. Uh, again, I don't, I don't do mobile photography, or at least I don't um, uh, think about doing mobile photography. I, I tend to, to kind of uh, spend more time with the, uh, the standalone cameras. But if you are someone who is interested in really stepping up your mobile photography game. Like you want to do photography and you want to do it with your phone. Um, there are some, there's one company that, um, that I've read a lot about It's called moment and moment, uh, basically takes mobile photography and makes it a professional type of photography equipment. So what they do is you mentioned before about these external lenses that you could clip on, that you could buy to clip on anything. Um, well, they make a case and the case allows you to clip on, actually screw and clip on different lenses that they, that they make. Um, the cases are not that expensive, maybe 20 bucks or something, but they allow the adapters to work with their zooms. Then they have actual lenses. I mean, these are, <laughs> these are lenses that are high quality. We're talking thousand dollar lenses on yeah. some of them. Um, so this is not something for the faint of heart. This is not where you're saying, Hey, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just doing this as a hobby. If you really want to say, I want to take my phone and make that my professional camera, uh, moment is the way to go. Um, they have again, some clip on actual glass metal, you know, lenses really, really well made. Um, and I would dare say this is, this is basically turning your phone into a mirrorless camera, because mm -hmm. the mirrorless cameras we talked about before are basically a, 
digital camera that, you know, you're adding lenses to. Um, uh, but Moment, um, and you can go to their website, www.shopmoment.com. And, uh, and again, don't go there thinking this is kind of cheap stuff that you can grab really quickly. But if you are doing it as photography and you are trying to really put money into the best possible pictures and, um, and, uh, and outcome, uh, this is a way of adding on to your phone and getting uh, some of that great stuff. So, uh, so moment. You are absolutely correct that it is some <laughs> high quality stuff there, some pricey things, but it's good. I mean, it, it, again, if you are, like Brian said, if you are dedicated, that's the direction you want to go and you're willing to put some time, money, and energy into it, they've got some great, great uh, products on there. Whole bunch of different things. You got everything from bags to cases to filters to lenses all the things you could need for a, a great mobile photography setup. So that's good. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Unfortunately, I'm probably going to spend too much time on that site and find things I want to buy and You're be regretful of that. So thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. That's awesome. I'm going to go completely to the other side and give you something so dirt cheap, but incredibly helpful. I feel like, um, so we mentioned about putting and needing a tripod for your camera. So yep. saying, look, tripods are important. But, and many of us have tripods that maybe we've already got laying around the house or ones we've used in the past. And, and they're all those traditional tripods with the tripod heads on the top, where it's just that one singular screw mm -hmm. that screws into the bottom of a camera. The camera actually has a, 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 a hole ready for it on the bottom. That's kind of your standard tripod interfacing with cameras or camcorders. Well, I don't know if you've noticed or not, Brian, but the iPhone or, or Galaxy or anything like that do not have that hole to screw into in the bottom of. So how do you get the phone onto a more traditional tripod? And so here in our studio, what we've done, we've actually set up a iPhone studio where we've got several iPhones using as kind of our little mini studio TV cameras. And we use these tripod mount adapters to go onto our tripods and it creates a little base. It's something you screw onto the top of the tripod. And then it has some uh, kind of a, uh, uh, it has a clamp on it that you can fit your phone into. And the clamp will kind of keep it secure. And it allows your phone to fit really nicely onto any tripod that you may need. Um, I got ours on Amazon. And I mean, I think they were like $8 each. So they're really inexpensive. Yeah, they're, they're a little plastic. I mean, you know, it, it's a lot of wear and tear. They may not hold up as well. But if you're just needing something to have on the top of your tripod to say, look, whenever I'm somewhere and I've got my tripod, I just need to snap my, my camera into it. It's going to hold it really nice in place. It'll allow, allow you to tilt the camera a little bit left or right if you need to, if you're not on a level surface. And um, it's just super easy. And again, $8.00. We have about 10 of them here in our office right now that we use for different tripods we've got. And um, they've worked great. All of them still hold up, even with us lugging them around different places. Um, so again, I, it's the per, 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 Peroma, I believe is the name of the company. Peroma, it'll be in the show notes, but it's the universal cell phone tripod mount adapter. It'll work with your iPhone 8, 7, 10. I mean, I haven't found a size of phone that doesn't work with yet. Work with Samsung phones, everybody else. It's just a great way to keep your, your, your camera phone on a more traditional tripod. If you don't yeah. want to go out and have to buy all new tripods just to accommodate your phones. So. No, that's cool. And so it is nice that it, it expands. So if you do mm -hmm. switch out your phone and, and get a slightly different size, 
uh, you should yeah. still be able to work with that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think it'll it'll go to a width of like four inches wide, all the way down to like two point three. So I think that covers most widths of most standard phones. I will say my my phone personally, I have in a a battery case, and um, it makes it a little thicker. So my phone with the battery case on it does not fit into these tripod heads as well. Uh, it's it's a little tougher. It's not a great clamp around it because this battery case is so much thicker. Uh, so if you have a really thick case on your phone, you may have a hard time getting it into this this mount. Uh, but if the phone is just without a case, it fits perfectly. And a really thin case, it'll have no problem. It's just really bulky cases may be a little more challenging to get them into the clamp there. Alan, that you just brought up a really interesting point that I probably should have made earlier. But um, be careful with the... Uh, the case that you put on your phone if you're wanting to use it for photography. Because some cases that are fairly thick are all of a sudden going to either block out certain light that may be coming into the lens, or it oh, could wow, actually be yeah. helpful. It, it could block out light. You know, you may want to check and see, look at reviews to make sure, is the opening large enough? I remember I got a, a, a battery case like you're talking about uh, several years ago with a phone, and that was when there was only one one camera lens on the back. And if I were zoomed out, you could actually see a slight shadow and a vignette that happened on the outside of my, my images because it was catching the edge of that thick battery case that was on the back. Hmm. So oh, wow. do you make Good sure point. you can read some reviews to say, does this obstruct your view at all? Now, again, I said it could be beneficial because a lot of lighting, a lot of photography is helpful to block out the direct light. You actually, you know, you put your hand over to try to get the, um, uh, the lighting correct. Some of those cases can help do that. So, uh, but that's a, that's a good point. You always want to think, you know, don't just look at the camera itself as to whether it's going to fit a mount like this, or if it's going to fit uh, your photography, think about the the case, because I mean, cases would be outstanding. If I was on that safari that you were talking about earlier, I'd love to have a battery case on my phone so that my phone's not going to die as I'm taking all these yeah. pictures. Right. But that then could change the the picture. But then you would need a mount to make sure it can accommodate that a little nicer. So again, they're eight dollar mounts. I mean, they're not the end all be all, but I think if you for for most general purpose uses, they're going to work out great for you. So good. Well, Brian, I think we have captured kind of what we wanted to discuss with regards to mobile phone photography. Again, I, I personally am a fan, and I know that on the next deep dive, we're going to flip to more your preferred method for photography, which again, I think is uh, where a lot of professionals tend to still lie right now and are looking at how they, how they do their own photography using more dedicated DSLRs and dedicated equipment. So we'll talk through some of the ins and outs on that. Um, but I hope for anybody who really saw themselves as becoming a, a photographer, just using the mobile phone they have, or just, you know, upgrading those new, those phones to newer uh, mobile phone models, that we've at least talked through some ideas of, of how to best do that and how to make the best use of it. Again, there are some great, great photography out there from mobile devices. And uh, so I encourage everybody that feels like this is a good direction for them to have at it and produce some good stuff there. So for sure. Yeah. Good. Well, and if somebody has some, yeah, somebody has some suggestions or ideas, what do they do? Yeah. Well, you need to email us at info at the mesh TV. Uh, info at T-H-E-M-E-S-H dot TV, info at the mesh TV. You can tell us uh, how you're using mobile photography and some of the tips that you might have. 
that we can share with the audience or share with uh, some other folks that we're consulting with um, or tell us uh, what kind of topics you'd like to, to see us dive into in the future. So we're always looking for, uh, for advice and suggestions from you, uh, our brother and sisterhood out there. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully uh, take some of that direction and, and give you what you're, uh, what you're looking for. So info at the mesh.tv. All right. Great. Thanks everybody for listening. We, we appreciate it. And please make sure you go online and subscribe. If you want to make sure you stay up with any episodes we put out in the future, we try to put one out about every week. So uh, keeping some new content coming, we'll be talking digital photography over the next couple more episodes. So we hope to hear you uh, have you join us there as well. Thanks everybody for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.